everybody, and welcome back to your most favorite fantasy football show ever, the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast, Thursday edition. I'm not an Afino. I'm joined, as I am every Thursday, will be every Thursday, by the great Eric Moody. Sir, how are you? Oh, the, the great, the great Eric Moody. That that that's new. I'm I'm doing fantastic. phenomenal. Yeah, fantastic. So we, you want a better adjective? I'm sorry. Is, is that, let me get my thesaurus real quick. All right, but no, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm doing phenomenal. I guess the best way to describe it is that I'm like a pit bull in a butcher shop. I'm fully caffeinated, ready to rock and roll. Let's do this. All right, all right. On that note, uh, so today's show, uh, I thought we'd we'd, we'd kind of take it take an interesting path, maybe. Um, I'm not one, and Moody, I don't know if you are, like, I'm, I'm not really one for theorizing or going into your draft with a plan. Uh, you know, obviously, like, my players, I have a very good cue built up all the time, and I've kind of stumbled backwards this year into the, I guess we could call it zero WR, but I, I want to get a better name for it. Um, I've been, I've got two best balls that I'm running at the same time right now, the Explosive Output and, uh, and Jake Seeley's Flex League, and in both of them, I got the number two pick, and in both of them, I've kind of... I don't know if it's because I like Lamar Jackson this year or if I just like so many wide receivers late and feel like no one's kind of respecting their upside, but I've loaded up on running backs, tight ends, and usually Lamar Jackson early. Uh, And in explosive output, my first wide receiver wasn't until the seventh round when I took Jarvis Landry. In the flex draft, uh, I waited until a ninth round when I took Henry Ruggs. Uh, so I'd like to get into that, some theorizing, and is this a real thing, and is this a theory, and has the pendulum swung so far the other way, um, especially in a PPR league? Uh, so far, like, I guess well, let's just start with your general thoughts. When you're going into a draft, the Eric Moody draft mentality, have you gone in like, I'm going to do zero RB this year, or are you just like, let me just build my team as I go along, I've practiced enough, I'm ready for this? Yeah, I just like to build my team uh, as I go along in the draft. Uh, I'm really more concerned about the decisions that, uh, that others in the league make, especially in those early rounds. That really dictates, like, based on uh, positional tiers on which route I'll go. So if it leans more towards a zero running back route, you know, that's the path I'll go down. You know, zero wide receiver or, as it's been called, you know, robust RB, RB5, RB3. It's got many, many names, you know, so I'll just let that. Too many names, man. I know, right? Uh, so I'll just let that dictate on which path I'll go. Are you, are you, do you do a lot of expert leagues? Because I, I ran into this in baseball and I almost forgot about mm-hmm. this, I guess, because it had been so long with a, with, a, with a pause since I drafted that the leagues I'm in with my friends, uh, and the ones that I'm in with my experts are two totally different beasts. Like I get used to in my, my expert leagues, you know, Aaron judge will still be there in the third round for baseball, stuff like that. And I jump into my friend's league and Aaron judge is gone to the end of the first round. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> all right. So like, it, it's kind of like, if you go in with this plan, you're kind of screwed if you're with the wrong group of people, like you say. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. A lot of my local leagues that, that I had um, here locally, kind of in the uh, Dallas Fort Worth area, a lot of those have, um, have kind of been unbundled. Uh, it was a couple uh, with some really good buddies that I would uh, take part in. It was old school, you know, standard type league, uh, which which was fun. Uh, and then another one was actually a live uh, auction draft with some really weird rules, kind of similar to like the uh, Scott Fishbowl. But, uh, I, you right. know, I used to participate in those every year. But really now, all I participate in are really experts leagues. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that that's it. Eric Moody got a big head and dumped all his friends for the Oh, Xbox. man. No, no, no. <laughs> Not at all. I wanted to keep it going, but you know what the irony is? It's one guy, and if he listens to this, I'll probably get a text message where, where he unbundled the league after he won the championship. It took him about a decade to do it. But then after that, I was like, where, where did really? the league go? I'm like, we're unbundling it now? I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> that's a... Well, you know, you go out on top. You leave him laughing, right? I guess apparently, maybe that was his mindset. But anyway, that's the uh, <laughs> kind of that's the approach that I would take uh, just in any league. I think I think you're actually a very good guy to dissect this because you've got a very analytical mind, but also uh, you could probably tell me where you think I might have picked some wrong players. So I, it's kind of on one hand, it's like the theory of it, and on the other hand, it's uh, you know there were some other choices I could have made that might have been better. Especially with some news that we've heard. I mean, one of these seems like a Darius Geis, so that's already kind of yes. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, oh well, the idea was there. Um, so here's here's how I think we'll do it. I I, I got these two teams. They're kind of similar. They're kind of different. Um, and maybe like we could just I'll, I'll read you the team through ten rounds. Uh, we're, we're beyond that now, but I think just the first ten kind of gives you an idea of what's what mm-hmm. we're gonna look like. Um, and then we can talk. Sounds about like it. a plan. If you come up with a better name for this, 
I don't like zero WR. I was thinking WR six because you pick your first wide receiver in the sixth round, but it just sounds cold. So we'll think we'll yeah. we'll figure that one out. Uh, so here's what I did. I had the number two pick. This is a PPR league. It's it's a it's a best ball. These are both best balls, but I think I would do the same thing in a regular league. Um, it's just a little easier for best ball because you can grab like a, a Miko Hardman in the tenth round, and you know you know he maybe two or three games he'll explode for twenty eight points, and you'll get those. Um, if you're doing regular, you don't know when that's coming. But anyway, Saquon Barkley, I took the first round. Came back, got Lamar Jackson, Todd Gurley. Waited a little while. Gave Le'Veon Bell and Cam Akers. Uh, with my sixth round pick, I took Evan Engram. Um, and the seventh, I finally went into the wide receiver pool. I got Jarvis Landry, Henry Ruggs, Golden Tate, and Miko Hardman. So out of my first ten, I still got four wide receivers. Jarvis Landry is going to be my WR1. Rugs my two. I mean, maybe Rugs is my one. Maybe Tate's my two. Maybe Landry's my three. Um, and Hardman's floating around there for the good weeks. So, just uh, your first impressions on on this this I don't know a theory. Do we call it a theory? Yeah, but I guess we could. And I can uh, and I can even after kind of breaking down this team, or we can do it now. It's your call. Is really dive into you know if you are going to go zero rob receiver or robust rb whatever you want to call it kind of the approach to take players to target that sort of thing but i will give you some initial thoughts uh on the squad so far so you can't go wrong with saquon uh in the first round you know if he's available you, you have to right at number 2 right yeah, you have to, you, you got to right? take it yeah. so few running backs who are going to get the number of opportunities per game uh that he is and so again it's all about the volume very predictive so you got to go there one thing that I was thinking about when I first looked at this, you know, Lamar Jackson in the uh, in the second, and it, and I just always prefer to take quarterbacks uh, a little bit later, like in the draft. Uh, if you if you're more inclined, I would say to take a uh, a quarterback earlier, then you know I do like Russell Wilson, like at his ADP, you know, Dak and a few others. But if you want to get the discount version of Lamar Jackson, then go with a guy like Kyler Murray. So that was uh, that was one you know one thought that I had. I, I love Gurley at his ADP. Uh, I know we've probably talked to death uh, as an industry about Gurley and his arthritic knee, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone knows the story there, you know. But he's a guy that's in a really great situation in Atlanta, an offense that's full of weapons, and he's going to get a ton of opportunities. I know they have a lot of vacated targets there, uh, which is a good thing. And I think Gurley is, is definitely going to have his fair share of those because he's been used extensively as a receiver out of the backfield. So love that pick. Well, Eric, let me let me let me pause. Yeah. Right, so let me give you the. We could have gone with these two picks, which mm-hmm. were very you know, which were twenty third and twenty sixth overall, very clo- close enough to be like here's some yeah. other guys. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, who I'm not touching. Mm-hmm. Kenny Galladay, who I would have been fine with, but I just I, there's just so much wide receiver depth at the end of this year, I guess. Uh, anyway, DJ Moore, George Kittle. Uh, Fournette, Mike Evans, Chris Carson, Odell Beckham Jr., Allen Robinson, David Johnson, Amari mm-hmm. Cooper. Uh, and I guess we'll do Cooper Cup in yeah. there, too. Um, so, I mean, you know, you put my Gurley and Jackson against them. And I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, if I don't get Lamar Jackson, I'm probably taking Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Like, that's I'm extreme to the other yeah, end. absolutely. So, uh, but I don't know, man. Just for whatever reason, it feels right this year. Mm-hmm. But anyway, th- these are the other choices we could have made on our – it's now our team. Yeah, so uh, I like Le'Veon Bell and uh, – I, one thing I, I liked about Bell from last year, I'm like he he got the volume, so he got a high number of opportunities per game. It's just the the offense that he was a part of, you know, Darnold being out, you know, with um, you know, with Mono, you know, for multiple weeks, and uh, you know, Adam Gase. That's a whole another conversation. But going back to offensive line play, oh, did you say? Hey, did you see the story today? I, I know you said you have you seen the story today in the Daily News. The quotes from Gase? Uh, I have not. Like, oh, you know, I, I know I didn't use him right last year and this and that. It's uh, Manish Mehta in the Daily News wrote oh, about, yeah. like, Gase just doesn't, instead of, ha- you have this beautiful, perfect running back, and he's trying to fit him into a system instead of building a system around Le'Veon Bell. And it's, it's I think it's going to be another year of frustration. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, the guy got the volume, and uh, they have made some changes uh, in, in this offseason with their offensive line, so... I just think he's a nice a nice value because again it's tough to find running backs that that's going to get the the number of opportunities that that he has even with Frank Gore like in the backfield I'm like he's still going to get the lion's share so love that pick you know love uh, you know Cam oh, nice. Akers I know we talked about Akers uh, you know from uh, before I know uh, on the podcast and also uh, offline too 
Uh, so, you know, he's going to have a significant opportunity uh, in L.A. It may not come to fruition early in the season, but I think by the time we get to the midpoint of the season towards the tail end where things really count in the fantasy playoffs, I think he has the potential to be a league winner. I was scratching my head a little bit with Evan Ingram. Uh, Evan Ingram's a great talent. Uh, you're part of a great scheme. I think he's like a breakout tight end candidate. But uh, just my mindset, if I'm going like robust RB or zero wide receiver, uh, I would just prefer to take my quarterback and tight end late because you're really going to have to hammer home on your receivers because you're essentially going to be playing, essentially streaming your wide receivers that you have in that strategy because you're going to try to play the matchups. Right. Uh, love the Landry pick. Uh, very high on Henry Ruggs. Very high on Golden Tate because the opportunities are there, or targets I would say are there for the taking in New York. You know those two; those two are yeah. probably my favorite. I'm like mm-hmm. Rugs, I got in the eighth round. Tate, I got in the ninth. Mm-hmm. And these are like 120 target, 90 catch, maybe easily thousand yard, possibly six to eight touchdown guys going that late, like around like Justin Jefferson area, and not to not Justin Jefferson, but I mean, Jamison Crowder, Justin Jefferson, Will mm-hmm. Fuller. Um, Two that, I, two that I would have considered that were off the board were Jerry Judy and Michael Gallup, but like this is like the, I don't know why there's so much not liking of Henry Ruggs and Golden Tate. Yeah, and and, and Landry too is is criminally underrated. You know, I know he came into the league, uh, you know, same year as Odell Beckham, you know, Mike Evans. But if you look at his history, I'm like he's averaged you know nine targets per game in his NFL career. That volume should still be there because the one thing with Cleveland, it's uh, even though you have ODB or OBJ, Odell Beckham, whatever you want to call him, I've heard them all. Uh, when you have a guy like that, I'm like, he's going to get his targets. Uh, Landry's locked in as the number two option. But they essentially don't really have like a third wide receiver that they're going to consistently feed targets to. Uh, so I like the opportunity that he has. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get, you know, eight or nine targets a game like he has in his career. You know, Moody, you know who I think? I think it's going to be Kareem Hunt. Mm-hmm. I think Kareem Hunt's – I think last year he played 16% or – he was either 16 and Cohen was 23 or Cohen, it was the other way, but one of them played 16%. I think it was Hunt played 60% of his snaps out of the <laughs> slot last year. I know that was a different coach, different offensive system, but like just like you said, like by process of elimination, maybe Kareem Hunt's yeah. the slot guy. No, I could, I could see that. And I like uh, Kareem Hunt, like at his ADP too. He's not a guy that I would reach for, but I'm like, if he's there, you got you to take him, just considering the number of uh, opportunities that he had uh, per game, like once he returned. And I think for this year, you're looking at a guy that could get, you know, ten to twelve, uh, you know, ten to twelve, you know, touches a game. But then you obviously have like a, a RB one candidate if uh, Nick Chubb were ever to miss extended time. So I, I love it. Right. Uh, so tenth round, I got Miko Hardman, and then eleventh, I didn't write it down, but I got Bryce Love uh, mm-hmm. late last night. So that's where we're sitting right now. We pick again in four picks. I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, probably got to get another quarterback at this point. Probably not a bad idea to get another quarterback. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Like, So looking at this team, I started to like it more and more. And I think it's because you know the guys you're not seeing that are going to definitely be on my team later, Hunter Renfro, Cole Beasley, D.D. Westbrook, all of who either had 100 targets last year or were on pace for 100 targets last year. And just in a PPR league, like 100 targets should be gold. And uh, for whatever reason, like, People don't like Cole Beasley. I don't know why. Um, people, I, I think, feel like Ruggs is going to take away from Hunter Renfro. I, I I can get that, but it's a different... Renfro's their slot guy and came on strong late. And then D.D. Westbrook, like, nothing's changed in Jacksonville. That That's that that's a guy who's 100 targets easily, I would think. So, I don't know, man. Like, those three could be, like, my wide receiver one, two, and three on some bye weeks. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really high, like, on a D.D. Westbrook. I'm like, he's one of those guys that could be a, what they call them, a, a post-hype sleeper. Because I know he was really hyped up going into last season. But I, I do like the situation that he's in uh, this year. You know, you've got Jay Gruden, you know, that's coming in. You know, as Jacksonville's new offensive coordinator. Yeah. I'm like, you look back at his history, I'm like, you know, the guy has a fondness for slot receivers. So just want to give everyone a gentle reminder out there. Remember Jamison Crowder? I'm like, this is a guy that accumulated, you know, 221 receptions and a little bit over 2,600 receiving yards in Gruden's offense from 2015 to 2018. In my opinion, you know, a guy like Westbrook is more explosive than Crowder. And then one thing, too, like uh, with DJ Shark, I'm like, if you were if you were going to ask me point blank, yeah. I'm like, if, if you're on the clock, you've got DJ Shark there and Terry McLaurin. 
I'm going to go with, go with Glorin just because of Gruden's fondness of slot receivers. One thing with Shark is that, you know, he only lined up in the slot 26% of the time last season, while Westbrook lined up there 79% of the time. And so I, I do love Westbrook, especially late in drafts at his ADP. And he's a great target, to your point, Nando, if you are going to go with the strategy like this. Well, that's it. Like, I'm kind of reverse engineering this. Uh, it's It's because I like these guys at the end who I think – and look, if the rest of the world gets smart to them and moves them up to rounds 8, 9, 10, then this whole thing might be screwed. But right now, where they're going and how late they are, and not, and not even being drafted in some cases, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me. Why don't people like D.D. Westbrook? You know, like it's... So I started looking at those late guys as I'm putting together my sleeper list and everything, and they all just happen to be wide receivers. And I'm like, well, if I can get all these wide receivers so late, you know, uh, why take them early? Basically. Exactly. You know, the little Frank Pintange, like, uh, you know, Why? <laughs> It's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a, it's a ton of, uh, like a, a ton of receivers, I would say, that have like a, a six round, uh, and beyond like ADP, you know, that I, that I like. Uh, I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into, uh, one guy that's getting, I think, unfairly like disrespected, and that's, uh, Steph, Stefan Diggs. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. He's a guy that could be sitting there like in the sixth round. I've seen him go as late as like the seventh or eighth round. And so I've had a lot of conversations on Twitter like about this. And then in, including even in some of the articles at The Athletic about like Diggs. It's like, man, you're really high on Diggs. It's like, you know, why is that? And so everybody gets it. Okay. They, they, the Bills acquired Diggs, you know, from the Vikings. They gave up a lot. You know, you're looking at like a first, fifth, and sixth round pick and a, you know, 2021 fourth round pick. So they gave up, they gave up a lot, uh, you know, to to get that guy. And, you know, Diggs was obviously very vocal, you know, about his frustrations, you know, last season. You know, he's not a shy guy. And, you know, he clearly just wasn't on the same page like with Kirk Cousins. So he started yapping, right. he was talking. And then from there, Kirk Cousins are like, all right, I'm going to feed this guy. And so, you know, he did have multiple 100-yard games in the middle of last season after being force-fed targets. Um, I know he finishes a wide receiver one, you know, four times from week six to 11. So you get a taste of what he's capable of. Uh, but I think the bottom line is that, you know, that amount of attention that didn't quench this guy's thirst. And ultimately his personality wasn't a good fit in Minnesota. You know, Mike Zimmer's a old school, no nonsense uh, guy, teams run heavy, et cetera. So yeah. I know we move on to Buffalo. I think one thing with Diggs and like his number of targets decreased, you know, from 149 in 2018 to 94 in, in uh, 2019. Now Cousins actually finished last season with a better passer rating when targeting Thielen instead of Diggs. And so now you look at Diggs looking to bounce back like with Josh Allen uh, for this year. I think one thing with Diggs like body of work that a lot of people don't really dive deep into you know, I'm going to go really deep on this one, so it'll be really good stuff. Is that you know deeper the better here, man? Yeah. So, so like Diggs has surpassed like a thousand receiving yards in each of his last two seasons. Like the guy's average yep. eight targets, you know, five point five receptions, nearly seventy two receiving yards, and close to ninety air yards per game over that span of time. Now the guy's ridiculously effective. I know we talk about you know for receivers, running backs, volume matters, and it does. Efficiency you know, is, is definitely not predictive, but I always like to see how a guy does with the volume, you know, that he, that he has. And like, it took digs, you know, three seasons to exceed a, a thousand or a thousand receiving yards. Uh, and I'm like, he was ridiculously effective. I'm like, if you look at his career as a whole, his five year career, I'm like, he's only accumulated 532 targets overall. I'm like, the guy has all the characteristics. If you watch film, like of an elite wide receiver, I just don't think he's been given the target volume to really take things to the next level. Now, imagine this. Imagine his production if he'd been provided the number of targets of like Mike Evans, who has like 712 targets, Uh, Jarvis Landry, 745, Julio Jones, you know, 806. Like if he had the target volume that those receivers I just mentioned had since 2015. Like another interesting observation with Diggs is that like he's seen a steady increase in air t- in air yards like each season. Like last season, he actually set a career high, like with one thousand four hundred twelve. Now the only other receivers who had more targets of twenty or more yards than Diggs last year were Odell Beckham and Kenny Galladay. I think ultimately the Vikings, you know, will regret trading away Diggs, and I think Allen's in a position to uh, to benefit greatly. And I know there's been a lot of talk about about Josh Allen. Okay, he he, he likes he, he likes to run with the football. Like he'll score touchdowns with his legs. 
Uh, he's not the greatest passer. But then it's that mindset of I'm going to be driving my car looking through the rearview mirror instead of looking ahead. And I know he's worked with Diggs. He's been in contact with Diggs. And you think about a, a player's, uh, I guess, career trajectory or arc. I'm like, we haven't seen the best from Josh Allen, in my opinion. And players get better from one year to the next. So I think when you combine that right. and then with a guy like Diggs, who's hungry and he's in a position where he's, quote unquote, the guy, I think he's a, I think he's a receiver that can outperform his ADP. And he's a perfect target for someone is their wide receiver one if they are going with a running back heavy strategy. Let me, uh, let me back that up a little bit, too. Uh, not not take as a reverse, but I mean, like, because here's why I like Diggs for all that. You mentioned Josh Allen uh, isn't the most accurate passer. A, I think you get better as you get older and more mature mm-hmm. and work on things. But B, I think Stephen Diggs the kind of guy who can catch and run too. Like he's he's got a not a running back mentality, but he's kind of elusive. So you know, Josh Allen doesn't have to bomb seventy air yards to get mm-hmm. the ball to Stephen Diggs. You could do fifteen. Let him take a cut and run with it and take it pretty far. Yeah, um, which is why I think he might fit nicely here. Also, I, I think we're underrating the fact that it's been North Turner, Pat Shermer, uh, John DiFilippo, and then Kevin Stefanski. I mean, you went like I, I remember DiFilippo was like crazy pass happy the start of 2018, I think, and it was just like the Adam mm-hmm. Thielen show. And then Thielen got hurt, and that's when Diggs kind of stepped in and you know kind of took over the ball. Um, and then last year, he was expressing his frustration when they went run heavy. Mike Zimmer is a defensive mm-hmm. coach, basically. So, I mean, you, you assume that offense is going to be in the hands of the offensive coordinator. Stefan Diggs is now on his fifth. He's on Brian Dable, his fifth offensive coordinator in five years. Um, it seems like Norv Turner was the only guy who got him. You know, like it's maybe maybe DeFilippo a little bit, but DeFilippo was going to Thielen. If Thielen didn't get hurt, who knows where Diggs would have been just buried maybe in 2018 instead of having yeah. all those yards. It- so, I don't know, man. Maybe. The Bills wanted him. They went out and got him. They're going to use him. You know, it's it's. this is a coaching staff. He's not like a holdover from the old regime. Like, they wanted him. They got him. Yeah, I've got another uh, uh, statistical nugget for uh, for Yonando. All right. Now, Well, for everybody, really. Yeah, and for everyone, yeah, that's yeah. listening. So, um, you look at Josh Allen last year. Like, he was under pressure on a little bit over 36% of his dropbacks last season. I'm like, he'll continue to develop as a, as a passer. But I think he's in a great position to do so by – leveraging like his downfield passing ability like with his top three receivers now he obviously has Diggs. uh you mentioned cole beasley yep and he also has john brown that's there yeah now all of his receivers i'm um, like they have the ability to, to separate and then with his mobility you know he can extend plays now um one thing that's interesting is that the the bills running backs if you look at um like a strength of schedule metric. Uh, I know at four for four, uh, their schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. I'm like the Bills running backs have a very bad schedule. And so I think when you combine that, you got Diggs that's there, you know, he's going to get his target share that they may even lean on Josh Allen a little bit more as he continues his progression uh, as a quarterback. But uh, something else that's interesting too, is that when you look at guys like Diggs and uh, Cole Beasley and John Brown, they're really good uh, it's separating on their targets. Like if you look at a lot of advanced metrics for uh, target separation and uh, you know cushion and whatnot, I'm like, you know they, you know they uh, they look favorably on those metrics. And I think these are just feathers in the cap of uh, of Josh Allen. So I know he's another quarterback I'm I'm very high on. If you're going to take a quarterback uh, slightly early, so I like him at his ADP as well. So let me ask you this because uh, this is this is my pause for Diggs. So we've said all these great things about him. Here's the downside. And it's Brian Dable for me. Um, I always check Pro Football Reference. I like. I don't know, man. If, if you're like me, I love like looking up tendencies of offensive coordinators and mm-hmm. what they tend to do. And sometimes it's a mixed bag because you don't know. Like this offensive coordinator might have been working on a staff for a coach who was an offensive coordinator who really is the offensive coordinator and calling the plays and everything. And mm-hmm. that distinction isn't really made in these numbers. But Brian Dable has been an offensive coordinator six seasons. Here's how he's ranked in pass. Well, first in rushing offense, obviously, six attempts in 2019 with Cleveland, uh, sixth in attempts, eighth in yards in 20, uh, 2009. Uh, I don't, in 2010, it was just a disaster. He's 22nd in attempts, 20th in yards. But then with Miami in 2011, sixth in attempts, 11th in yards. 2012, fifth in attempts, fifth in yards. 2018 with Buffalo, sixth and ninth. And then 2019 with Buffalo, sixth and eighth. And what that has done is balanced his offense terribly. It really gave it a lot of weight to rushing. 
those same six years, two with Cleveland, one with Miami, one with Kansas City, two with Buffalo, here's his passing attempts. 30th, 28th, 28th, 29th, 28th, and 24th. And that resulted in the 32nd, 29th, 23rd, 32nd, 31st, and 26th most passing yards in the NFL. Um, he's not going to pass a lot. He's not going to have a lot of passing yards. And, you know, the, the fact that we have these three very good wide receivers that you mentioned, that's the only thing. So maybe they got Stefan Diggs and maybe he'll balance the offense a little more. Maybe that's like a, a his directive he's been told. But I don't know, man. Like, you know, a, a Tiger doesn't change his stripes. That's kind of how I'm looking at this Dable offense, which worries me a little bit about Stefan Diggs. That's all. No, and that, that that's a fair point. I'm like, if you look at like his, his tendencies in history, it's just the, the Bills gave up so much to, to land Diggs. You know, he's going to get, you know, his targets. I think, unfortunately, it, it will end up hurting guys like, uh, I think John Brown, uh, he'll still get a steady dose, but I think it may even impact Cole Beasley even more. I know they want to use yeah. Singletary, you know, Devin Singletary out of the backfield more as a receiver, but I'm like, Diggs' targets are going to have to come from somewhere. But I just think Cole Beasley may, unfortunately, end up being the victim here. Uh, let's, let's, you know, let's stick with wide receivers because p- part of the reason I kind of, and look, I don't know if I'm married to the strategy. This is kind of why I'm asking. Really, I'm using this podcast as a way to fact check all of my uh, my my moves so far in these two leagues. Because my other my other leagues have been normal and they've been balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, right around the Todd Gurley time in the in the third round, or even if I'm not taking Lamar Jackson, maybe I would have taken Todd Gurley with that Jackson pick at two eleven, and then at the Gurley pick, I would have taken normally Odell Beckham Jr., okay. who I like a lot. And I think he's going to have a nice comeback. And I really think Freddie Kitchens, man, just messed something up there. Um, is this kind of like a make or break year? Like, is Odell Beckham, like, you know, two and a half years ago, three years ago, he was the elite of the elite, caught everything, got open, was amazing, was electric. And, uh, I, like, if the situation changed or the circumstance changed or what, but is this the year, like, where it's going to be the tell? Like, all the cards are on the table. Like, this is the year Odell Beckham either says, yes, I'm elite, or no, you know, start thinking about me in the sixth round, seventh round going forward because it's just had a couple good years, and that was that. Is, is this the year? Like, is this a prove-it year? And will he prove it? I agree with you, Nando. It, it, it is a critical year uh, for him. <laughs> I know he was traded to Cleveland. Uh, you know, he – I guess if he, if he did have some kind of an out, I know he played through an injury, you know, in 2019. I know he, he had surgery – you know, earlier this year to uh, repair that uh, core muscle issue that he was dealing with. He's a great bounce back candidate. Yeah, what did he have? Core muscle and a hip, right? He he was he was like a few. He had a collection of maladies. Yeah, right? I like that collection of maladies. Yeah, yeah no, he he did. So you know, he was banged up. But I, I think if you look at like his body of work, and then he did complete that body of work, obviously with Eli Manning, a high percentage at the time. But like he's twenty seven years old, and you know he's average, you know six receptions, and you know nearly you know, 80, 87 yards per game, like over his six seasons. I'm like, you know, the guy's been a monster. Uh, and air yards too. I'm like, he's gotten a ton, you know, nearly uh, 117 uh, over that same time frame. And so it is an important year. Uh, but, and this is something that's really tough to kind of quantify, like with an advanced metric or like a stat, but um, it was a rough year for the organization. Uh, you mentioned Freddie Kitchens, all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes, like of ownership there. Um, you got a new blood coming in, you know, you got a new coach, new coaching yeah. staff and, you know, Odell Beckham's healthy. Uh, he's had additional time to build rapport with, uh, with Baker Mayfield, you know, this will be their second year, you know, playing together. So I think the stars are aligning, you know, for him to have a bounce back season. And you know, he was like another, I guess, post hype sleeper or candidate, you know, Hey, new team, new situation, better quarterback. Yay. Uh, but I think those things can really come to fruition for, uh, for Beckham for this year. I do like him, especially at his ADP and I've seen him dip to the fifth or sixth round in some cases, just depending on how the draft's going. So, you know, he's a guy that I'm high on, but yeah, it's primarily based on his uh, per game averages and just body of work as a whole. Eric, could you imagine if they kept uh, Greg Williams, I mean, like I, I mean, I'm sure there are reasons why they didn't. You know, he did. Not everybody likes this guy, but that run that he took them on at the end of 2018, like how how was that not enough to be like this guy should be our head coach, and we'll keep this Kitchens dude as our offensive coordinator? And maybe Kitchens is like I'm going to walk. You know, you, you won't have me as your offensive coordinator. But yeah, man, like if Greg Williams was the head coach last year, and they just they could have been something. No, I, I remember that run too, and then that could just be something internally behind the scenes, you know, things that uh, that we obviously aren't privy to for where, you know, decisions decisions are made. But you know, obviously it was the wrong decision yeah. with Kitchens, so we saw how that worked out. So 
they've they got to they got to make it happen here. You know, they want to make money. They've got fans. They don't have the best brand in the league, so got to get it going sooner or later, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, to, uh, to, hey, good news. Uh, we got two sponsors this week. Uh, the good folks at Ernest are back, and then uh, Indochino is coming up later in the show. But uh, let's get to Ernest. Uh, interest rates have hit record lows, which means it's a great time to refinance your student loans and see if you can lower your monthly payment. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loans for the last couple of years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Ernest. Even if you've refinanced before with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Checking your new rate is fast and easy to start. Complete a few questions online. It only takes two minutes. Then you'll get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. Want to change your monthly payment, combine many loans into one easy payment, or get a better rate? Ernest makes it easy. Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees. Plus, the internet loves Ernest customer service. They're rated 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. So here's what you got to do. You can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance a student loan with Ernest.com slash throwback. Once again, you get $100 cash bonus when you refi your student loan at Ernest.com slash throwback not available in all stores visit earnest.com slash throwback for more details terms and conditions apply eric you remember those earnest movies i do yeah yeah i do earnest goes to jail earnest goes to the mall earnest goes to camp earnest goes to school i think earnest went everywhere man he truly earnest saves yeah yeah i remember that one yeah he the, the the guy the guy went everywhere i'm like it's it's insane you know, I had a thought, Nando. You know, I I, I want to yeah. dive uh, a little bit deeper into uh, if someone does want to execute uh, like a running back heavy strategy on just to give them some characteristics of backs to target. But then I, I just want to yes. like wet everyone's appetites of the, of the the type of running back core that you could have. And so you're like, you know what? That's the route that I've got to go. Uh, so why don't we go there? And then I want to dive into some... Uh, kind of wide receiver targets. I'm like, if you're executing this strategy that I'd love to see all of our listeners uh, leave their drafts with. How does that sound? That sounds great to me. I love it. I thought we were going to go deeper into Jim Varney's uh, acting career, but we can do that. Yeah, later. I, guess, I guess we could, but has he been, has, has he, he been in anything there. else outside of Ernest though? Well, that's what I thought <laughs> we were going to get into. I think he was. <laughs> and I think it was like, Oh, that's Ernest. Oh my God. Like it was, it was a kind of a serious ish role. Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, we should probably talk the running backs. Okay. And wide receivers. All right. So, all right, let's do it. Let's dive let's in. Do it. So I, I guess if someone is truly going to execute the strategy, you, you know, everyone's familiar with zero RB. So it's essentially going to be the, the opposite of that. What you're going to want to do is prioritize running backs in the high leverage rounds of your draft. And you may be asking, what is the high leverage rounds? I consider the high leverage rounds to be the first five rounds of the draft. It's important to, you know, provide yourself like with some flexibility, like if you want to consider drafting like an upside ride receiver in the fourth or fifth round, just depending on the flow of the draft, you always want to leave yourself that flexibility. But I think the preferred lineup after the first five rounds is that you want to have five running backs. And I think zero RB is, is obviously better suited for like PPR formats. But I, I think the beauty of robust, uh, robust RB or RB heavy, RB5, whatever you want to call it, uh, as Nando said, wide receiver six or WR6, is that... Uh, yeah, I don't know. You're not, not feeling really that feeling one? That okay, much. that's fine. Uh, but, but the beauty of this yeah. strategy is that it can be executed in any format. So the type of running backs you want to target, ones that are on the field quite a bit, you know, they're playing a high number of offensive snaps, but also ones that average a high number of opportunities per game. As I mentioned earlier, opportunities, touches, all these things are very predictive. So at wide receiver, you know, just target players that are tied to productive offenses that average like a high number of passing yards per game. Uh, targets and air yards, too, are really great to, to look at. And as I mentioned earlier, you want to wait on tight end and quarterback uh, if possible. So now just think about this. Now, I, I actually... Uh, kind of leading up to this pod, because I know we were going to have this as a discussion point. You know, I, I took I took part in some mock drafts, some live and some that were uh, using like different mock draft simulators. Now, now think. Now, oh, yeah. Fantasy Pros, the one that just like boom, boom, uh, boom, yeah, boom. Yeah, yeah. I've used the yet? Fantasy Pros one. Uh, I know Rotoviz has a great one. And uh, 4 for 4 uh, just released like their draft simulator as well. So those are all 
very nice options nice. if you're into that sort of thing. You know, you're sitting there trying to put your kid to sleep. You know, you know what? I'm going to do a mock draft right now. Get your phone out. Go ahead and do it. There <laughs> you go. I, you know, I plug the plug that product for uh, for for our, our friends at those places. But uh, let's get back to the to the talk. So think about this: like if you had an early pick, like you're picking from the 101 to the 104. Yeah. Think about this running back core that you could have: Alvin Kamara, Josh Jacobs, Todd Gurley. James Conner, maybe even Jonathan Taylor, you know, too. Uh, you know, that, that can be your core group of running backs. And then you could follow that up with a guy like, you know, Jarvis Landry, you know, Julian Edelman. You know, he's dirt cheap. He's still going to get a ton of targets regardless of who is under center. Uh, we've talked a lot about Henry Ruggs, Golden Tate. You know, Jamison Crowder is another one. You know, with Denzel Mims and, and uh, Brashad Berriman, you know, dominating on the outside, it's going to be a lot of activity underneath for Crowder. So he's underrated. And of course, like Henry Ruggs. Now, if you're someone that has like a middle pick, you know, the anywhere from like pick five to eight in the first round. By the way, Moody wrote an, Moody wrote an entire article about this. So like if you if you want to if you're driving around, you can't write things down. Like just go check it out. It's on the it's yeah, on the website. So like think about. Yeah, it, it was very long. It was uh, as, as I think as I as I emailed you or we, we messaged each other. I think I called it like eight thousand plus words of statistical goodness that that's how it was described but uh <laughs> that's how i would put it just think about this like if you have a you know a pick that's from fifth to eighth in the first round you know dalvin cook's a great target you can follow that up with a guy like nick chubb and again todd Gurley. <laughs> i think everyone gets it hey todd Gurley's is yeah. a great value uh i think a lot of folks are down like on leonard fournette uh you know twitter's like blowing up about him but if you can get him in the fourth round it's kind of tough to pass up on a running back that'll at least get his number of opportunities. Uh, and then, you know, you can have Terry McLaurin as your wide receiver one. You may be fortunate enough to get A.J. Green as your wide receiver two, considering his body of work and, the, and, and what he's accomplished with Andy Dalton. That's another guy. It's kind of tough to pass up at his ADP. He's got Joe Burrow now, you know, Mr. LSU Tiger coming in, going to make it happen. You know, I'm an LSU guy, you know, Louisiana, right. so got to get that in there too. So you think about your, your, your picking late. You know, you've got the 109 to the, you know, the, the 112. It, it, it's funny with the running back value that's available like so late. I'm like, you could start off like with Joe Mixon. I'm like, you could follow it up with a guy like Kenyon Drake. And again, you can get Todd Gurley. <laughs> and then uh, the Le'Veon Bell too. I'm like, you know, this is another guy that's like dirt cheap. And then if you wanted to take a quarterback early, like we were talking about, I'm like, Russell Wilson may even be available uh, there, like right before like the sixth round. Uh, you can follow that up with a guy like David Montgomery. I know we talked about uh, him last week in the uh, podcast episode. And I got a number of articles out there with blurbs mm-hmm. on David Montgomery on, on why I'm very high on him. He's another guy, you know, that's dirt cheap. And so I'm like, this is like the running back core that you could build. And it's a lot of receivers late that you could plug in. And, and in a lot of these mocks, I uh, conducted these in where you start like a single quarterback, two running backs, two wide receiver, and a flex, a tight end, uh, a kicker, and a, and a defense, kind of your traditional uh, starting lineup like in many formats. But it, it's so much value that's available late. And I'll just kind of close on this and we'll kind of get the dialogue going, Nando, is uh, with wide receiver targets. I know I talked about Diggs, uh, A.J. Green. You know, he's another guy. Yeah. You know, given a receiver that's average, you know, nine targets and 80 receiving yards a game in his career, uh, it's tough to pass that up. I know he's missed 23 of the last 32 games of injuries, but uh, hey, guys get healthy. He's had a lot of time off. I think he's ready to ball. He's got Burrow there. He's ready to get after it. Uh, I think another guy that could finish as a wide receiver one, I will spend a a little bit more time on him, is uh, Marquise Brown. I think this is a guy that's criminally underrated, really good ADP. Uh, I know injuries dampen like his rookie season. You know, he's got great chemistry with uh, quarterback Lamar Jackson. And I'm sure everyone remembers that breakout performance in week one against the Dolphins, you know, to the tune of 147 receiving yards and two touchdowns on four receptions. Based on what I've read, I'm like, it sounds like he's really been working like this off season to, I know, gain weight. I know he's gained weight, which, you know, some people may think, and eh, 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 gain weight, that's bad for fantasy. Eh, eh. Not necessarily. I'm like, he's focusing on the weight gain, but he's also focusing, too, on maintaining his speed. And he's 
you know, kind of actually you know, timing himself and doing different things to track that, which that's a good sign if you ask me. But I think he's up to about 180 after playing at like 157, like as a rookie. Just think about that. NFL wide receiver, 157 pounds. So that that just that. Yeah, very slim. So at 180, that's, that's a good thing. But I think he's another candidate to outperform yeah. his ADP. Uh, Devontae Parker's out there. You can acquire him. You know, Michael Gallup, you know, Will Fuller, Marvin Jones. You know, Emory may not like him, but Emmanuel Sanders. No, Emory likes Emmanuel Sanders. He does not like uh, Traquan Smith. Oh, he does not like Traquan yeah, yeah, Smith. Yeah, my, he likes my, my Emmanuel Sanders. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, who happens to just be on most of my teams, but no big deal. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Nando. I'm, I'm, I apologize in advance. So. No, it's, yeah, I know. Right? Isn't that funny? Like, Emery's just so rarely wrong that, like, I'm the dummy here. Who's got- <laughs> <laughs> it's like set in stone. Like, oh, he spoke. <laughs> so you got, like, Emmanuel Sanders. Like, you got C.D. Lamb that's there. Uh, Henry Ruggs, you know, Crowder, uh, Jalen uh, Rager, uh, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. You got Nikhil Harry that's there. And I'm like, I mean, you've got enough resources, you know, at the athletic to roster any of those receivers and then to be able to identify when is the best week to start them. I know that's something I want to focus on a lot in my outside the box column this year, because we've got a lot of positive feedback on like the, the start sit questions is really to identify under the radar, outside the box type of players that you can plug into a starting lineup to give yourself a, a running back one week or a wide receiver one week or a wide receiver two. And I think with a strategy like this, you're going to have a plethora of wide receivers that you can plug and play to replicate those wide receiver one weeks. That's, and, and to bring, and bring right. all that together, that's how the strategy works. And I'll close on this, is that you got to think about, it's not necessarily about the decisions that you make in a draft. That plays a part. But I like influencing the draft, like with the decisions, you know, that I make. They're like, oh, my goodness, you know, Moody or it could be you out there listening right now. You're, you know, that guy is hammering away at running backs right now. And I just need to I need to I need to get one of these guys. And, you know, I may not want, you know, player X. I want to get him later, but I'm going to have to take him now. And so you're going to have wide receiver value fall to you. It's just you have to be committed, you know, to your strategy. And that's where tears helps and kind of reading all the great content we have at The Athletic as well. All right, Nando, I'm you're done. You're a good plugger. You're a very good plugger, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so so here's a question that I, I didn't want to interrupt you. You're on a roll. Mm-hmm. Right, right off the, the bat, you said you wanted to start with a base of about five running backs. Um, and maybe to some people that seems like a lot, but to me that seems like – Weird stuff happens. There are a bunch of situations that are unsettled. And I think when you look at the end, like go back like two, three, four years, mm-hmm. look at your roster and how many running backs did you have on that roster? You're just getting five good ones right off the top mm-hmm. instead of doing like two good ones and then one medium one and then one okay one and then one dude all the way at the end in round 13. Like you're just getting those five early. Yeah. And not messing mm-hmm. around because the whole, you know, the whole point of zero RB is that weird things happen to running backs. So wouldn't you rather have very good ones to choose from than kind of chasing the waiver wire every week? Yeah. And I'm like, you could chase the waiver wire for, uh, you know, for wide receivers and, uh, you know, cause things happen like at all positions. I think talking about like zero RB, like briefly, it's, uh, I'm like, that's like a strategy for where it's got, it's got a, a, it's got a perception, you know, that that's tied to it for where it's like, Oh man, you know, that doesn't work. Or, you know, how could somebody do that? And I, I think the biggest flaw or mistake that I see people do when they try to execute it is that they, you know, they, they kind of veer like away from it. It's like, based on how the draft is, is going, I'm like, it may be a scenario where you take like in the top eight rounds, like a tight end. And then the rest are like wide receivers or like in that sixth round, you may take your first running back. Then you keep hammering away like at wide receivers. And so again, that mindset of what are the other, um, you know, what are the other uh, players in the league are doing? I'm like, that's going to drive, you know, value to you. But then it's also important too to, uh, to target the right type of running backs. And that's another mistake. It's where it's like, right. well, you know, I'm like, I'm ending up with player X, Y, and Z, but it's like, you're not targeting like the right ones, you know, ones that are part of a committee for where, you know, like if, if Ezekiel Elliott goes down, you know, totally Tony Pollard's a, you know, an RB one, or let's see if Leonard Fournette goes down. I'm like, you, you think actually, uh, you know, Chris Thompson's going to be the guy, 
I'm just like, I think he can get 15 touches and he may be like, coach, hey, I'm done. I'm out. You know, that's why you got Armstead that's there. And so it's all about targeting like the right players. And maybe that's a conversation for uh, for another week, you know, kind of talking about zero running back and players to target there. But uh, I just think this strategy we're talking about here is very, very, very viable. It's just all about the execution. And, uh, and that's what we can help with. Exactly. You have to practice. Uh, real quick, uh, I want to thank you to Indochino for uh, for helping us keep the show afloat, I guess. You're giving us some money. You're a sponsor. You enjoy Eric Moody. Uh, so quick word from Indochino, and then we're going to come right back. Uh, I got two receivers I want to ask you about before we wrap up, uh, who I picked in the 10th round and the 16th round of the Flex Draft. All right, we're back. And as promised, uh, a couple wide receivers. By the way, you can follow Eric, Eric N. Moody, on Twitter. Um, he answers a lot of questions. I've seen it. I've been tagged in some of them. Uh, and by the way, I messed up the code for 40% off. It's fantasy football pod. So go to theathletic.com slash fantasy football pod to get your 40% off. Although I got a feeling like fantasy podcast might also work, but go to fantasy football pod. That one probably will have the bosses say, Oh, look, people listen to the Moody show. Cause I, I assume that's just unique to this. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, Moody, before we go, um, two guys who have gotten late, who I like and who I think are going to have huge upside, and I guess that makes them sleepers. Um, in the 10th round of the flex draft, I got Curtis Samuel. And to me, he's very interesting because like, I know he was on the, the bad half of that wide receiver combo last year, but that offense has changed, new coaching regime. And before last year, uh, he, they were basically hand-in-hand. Hand. DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel were producing the same numbers. So I don't know why I can't flip back the other way. They were both kind of equals. Um, and then in the 16th round, I got Mohamed Sanu, who, I, you know, like is the number one in New England, maybe with Cam Newton thrown to him. Um, so do you want to hit those two up real quick? I don't know if you like one or the other, if you think I'm crazy, or if you totally disagree, but Samuel and Sanu seem to be great value in double digit rounds that, uh, again, enforce this idea that you can get these maybe WR2, possibly WR1s. Uh, very, very late. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll start with uh, Sanu, and then we'll we'll kind of pivot back to uh, to Samuel. Yeah, with Muhammad Sanu, I'm like I'm like he he has a really great statistical body of work during his time, like in Atlanta. Um, you know, solid producer on a per game basis. Uh, just last year in New England, and he was banged up, you know, for most of the year, so we really weren't able to see what he's capable of uh, in that offense. But you know, he's a guy that's that's dirt cheap. Uh, that. Yeah, Dirt cheap man, and it's weird, yeah, it, it, right? it's crazy. You know, so that's a guy that I'm very comfortable taking like a flyer on, because I think one thing that's different in New England, obviously Tom Brady's not there, and uh, Cam Newton hasn't had a ton of time to create a lot of rapport, uh, you know, with with a lot of the receivers, and that's why I think it's important to, to kind of uh, take a take a chance on any one of them. Just depends on where you want to in the draft, whether it's Edelman or if you're a Nikhil Harry, you know. Uh, you know, a supporter, or if you want to go with Sanu, because those targets are going to have to go somewhere. And it just comes down to who Cam Newton is vibing with the best. And so I, I do like the Sanu pick. Right. It, as far as like with Curtis Samuel, probably my biggest concern with him is the addition of uh, Robbie Anderson and his history uh, with their head coach. His name escapes me. <laughs> Matt Rule? Matt Rule, yes. Thank you, thank you, Nando. With his uh, with his history with uh, with Matt Rule, and that they prioritize like his acquisitions. So uh, obviously, Christian McCaffrey is going to get his, you know, as a runner and as a receiver. Likewise with DJ Moore, I just think the addition of Anderson is going to hurt Samuel a lot more than uh, than people uh, expect. And so I know Anderson's going fairly late too. But if you if, if if I were to choose between those two, I would go with Robbie Anderson over Curtis Samuel. Man, you know what it is? And maybe it's from having lived in New York. Uh, or just, I, I don't know, like maybe being around a lot of New York fantasy analysts, but I've just heard Robbie Anderson break out for so many years. Mm-hmm. And everyone says it so forcefully and so confidently. Um, and the dude has never, I mean, he's he's brushed against a thousand yards once. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of been a, look, I know it's the Jets, right? And I know they're uh, fraught with mediocrity and dysfunction. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man, like if, if he's going to be the big breakout, super talented wide receiver, guys have done that in bad offenses before. And uh, Robbie Anderson just hasn't. And I mean, like 
last two years he hasn't been close. Seven hundred something yards is not, you know, super duper breakout. That, that's why that's why he doesn't scare me. That's no, no, no. I, I, I hear you. I, I think one thing that's different, like with Anderson, is um, with this situation. You know, obviously the the Matt Rule you know connection is one, but I'm like he he's just not the type of receiver that you know can be you know the number one. I'm like he's he's not the alpha, and so I think he thrives more where he's like the number two or number three option, and that's exactly what he's going to be in uh, Carolina. You know, he's going to be you know running routes opposite of DJ Moore. And I think that's going to help him out, you know, quite a bit. All right. Well, I guess we'll see. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. It seems like this year more than ever, and you just forget about the no preseason games thing. Um, yeah. It's there. There's been so much. I don't know. Maybe it happens every year, and we just kind of forget about it. But it seems like this year there's been a lot of turnover with coaching, offensive coordinators, philosophies. Uh, that's gonna. You know, we're maybe underrating how that's gonna affect things, but maybe we're underrating it because we don't know. Like there's so many new guys who've been elevated to these roles, um, or moved around. You know, like Jay Gruden. If you look what he did in in Washington, use the tight end a lot. Is he going to use the tight end a lot in Jacksonville? I don't know. You know, like is that like there's just so many weird things going on. Um, I don't know. Like a lot of guesswork this year. It seems. Yeah. No. Agreed. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Yeah. We shouldn't be admitting that. But yeah. Hey. You know. Uh, sure. <laughs> we have all your answers. <laughs> I think. Um, all right, we're coming up against time. Uh, I want to remind you, follow Eric on Twitter at Eric N. Moody. Uh, check out his work also, and obviously on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash pod gets you 40% off, which gives you like a year for basically $36 of all The Athletic. So if you get in now, you get the draft kit. You know, if you played, well, I mean, if you get in now, actually, you get this year's draft kit and then like next year's draft kit probably too. You probably catch the end of that if you want to get out before your year is up, which a lot of people don't do. Anyway, uh, also, Eric's writing for 4 for 4. A bunch of great people over there. Um, and Rotoviz, right? Or Fantasy Data. Yeah, with uh, Fantasy Data. And, um, yeah, I uh, I did write for Rotoviz. Rotoviz, past, I just yeah. I associate you with Rotoviz yeah. a lot. You use a lot of Rotoviz charts. Oh, yeah. I'm a, uh, I'm, I guess I could be considered like an OG at Rotoviz now. Not quite as OG as Sean Siegel, though, but uh, I've written a lot of content for them over the years. <laughs> Yeah, Moody does this thing. I don't know if, if you're listening and you just kind of stumbled on this and you have never read Moody. It's um, it's, he does a great job of of kind of distilling a bunch of crazy stats that you may not even know what they mean down into usable, actionable, and understandable information. So um, it kind of takes like I don't know if you ever like played the piano and you open up sheet music to a song you like and you're like, oh my god, no. Moody is kind of like. I don't know, like not the beginner book because you're not like this is like really deep smart stuff, but it just it's accessible and it's it's not intimidating. How's that? You make it so it's not intimidating. Stuff that should be intimidating, you write in a way that makes it not intimidating. So, that's a talent that not a lot of people have. I appreciate that. So there, check them out. Yeah, hey, anytime. Well, thanks for saying nice things about my strategy. So we're even now. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you check out uh, the Athletic FS on Twitter as well for all your. Uh, well, basically, we just post a bunch of stories there, but you won't miss anything. Thank you all for joining us. This has been the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, hopefully, we're going to have uh, you know some more information to play with next week as practices get ramped up. Uh, we get a quick look at uh, some hard knock stuff. No games, but who needs them, right? For Eric Moody, for the fantastic Eric Moody, I'm Nano Defino. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Thursday for this episode, but the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast... We're running it four days a week. You'll enjoy it. You'll love it. We promise. See you later.